Welcome to the Sisters in Crime Writers Podcast. Everyone has a unique writing journey, so join us for conversations about those journeys from the writers themselves. Executive Director of Sisters in Crime, and I am really happy to have Maggie King on the podcast today. Maggie's the author of the Hazel Rose Book Group Mysteries, including Murder at the Book Group and Murder at the Moonshine Inn. Her short stories appear in the Virginia is for Mystery series, Fifty Shades of Cabernet, Deadly Southern Charm, and the recently released Murder by the Glass. Maggie's a member of the James River Writers, International Thriller Writers, Short Mystery Fiction Society, and is a founding member of the Sisters in Crime Central Virginia chapter, where she manages the chapter's Instagram account. In addition, she serves on the Sisters in Crime National Board social media team and maintains their Instagram account. She's worked as a software developer, retail sales manager, and customer service supervisor. Maggie graduated from the Rochester Institute of Technology with a BS degree in business administration. She lives in Richmond, Virginia with her husband, Glenn, and cats, Morris and Olive. Welcome to the podcast, Maggie. Thank you, Julie. It's wonderful to be here. Well, I want to talk more about your books and hear more about the short stories in the books, but let's start at the beginning, as I always do on this, and talk about your writing journey um, and how you came to writing novels and short stories. Did you always know this is something you wanted to do, or is it something that sort of came together for you later in life? It started in sixth grade. Uh, I'm sure you've heard this one before, uh, Nancy <laughs> Drew. You've heard that name before. Yeah. Um, yes. I love Nancy Drew. I was a huge fan. Um, I also love the Dana Girls and Connie Blair. Um, my parents um, were great role models for mystery reading because you know they had stacks of uh, Agatha Christie's and Earl Stanley Gardner's. You know, you know, practically up to the ceiling on their nightstands. Um, and like I said, in sixth grade, that's when I started writing my own girl detective mystery. And I read, would read chapters to my friends on the way home from school. And they seemed to really enjoy them, uh, the chapters, and look forward to them. And these were girls who wouldn't hesitate to give you a one-star review <laughs> if, they, if they didn't like uh, what they were hearing. Um, and I also illustrated the stories. Um, but I only drew women. I drew women because I couldn't draw ears. Now, I'm dating myself, but when I was in grade school, the, the boys hadn't started with the long hair yet. Uh, so, um, you know, so I had, uh, so I couldn't do the ears. So, <laughs> <laughs> so I wish I still had those drawings and stories, you know, just for posterity, but I don't know, they've, I, I, I might even have burned them at some point. <laughs> so um, by high school, um, I wasn't, uh, I had drifted away from writing and also from reading mysteries. Um, I, but I still wrote, I did, I wrote bad poetry and I did uh, journal writing, um, 
which actually was a diary. At that time, we called them diaries, but now they, we call them journals. Um, one day in my 20s, I had the flu, and my mother showed up at my apartment with chicken soup and a stack of Agatha Christie's. And <laughs> just like with Nancy Drew, I was hooked uh, immediately. Um, and my writing journey probably restarted in 1993 uh, when I joined a mystery book group in Los Angeles, where I, I lived for many years. Um, I devoured anything by Agatha Christie for years, but there was a whole world of other mystery authors out there, and I was ready to um, dive in and discover them. Um, the women in the book group, they were lovely, and they were almost too lovely. I hadn't yet started my writing, and, uh, but these uh, thoughts uh, were, um, these scenarios, what if scenarios were coming to me, you know, just out of the blue? Yeah. Um, like, what if these women weren't really so nice? And what if their niceness was all for show and they harbored secrets, uh, agendas, scandals? So around that same time, three of my coworkers took creative writing uh, and screenwriting courses at UCLA Extension. I read their work and thought they were very talented, but I thought, well, I could do this. I, you know, I was a little, little dismissive. Um, I remembered my Nancy Drewish efforts uh, of years before, and I was reading a lot of mysteries in the book group, so no problem, I could write a mystery. Um, but it wasn't until 1996 when I moved to Virginia that I actually wrote anything. Um, I registered for a creative writing course at the University of Virginia. Uh, two women, uh, their names Margaret and Tristan, uh, they taught the course and they were very encouraging and supportive of their students. Uh, I still have the story I wrote for the class. Um, it was a mystery, of course. Um, I recently read it, and it wasn't that bad. And I say it that way because I thought I'd be horrified right. <laughs> to read something I had, I had uh, you know, written 25 years before. So um, I was very pleasantly surprised. And I didn't forget those lovely women at that book group in Los Angeles. Um, I um, gave them backstories, and they became the uh, sort of the prototypes for Murder at the Book Group, my debut mystery. Well, it's a great start. Nancy Drew is such an interesting way in way so many of us um, start. Mm -hmm. um, and for members of Sisters in Crime, the fall, summer fall issue of InSync, uh, the InSync Journal has a great article by Alexia Gordon about uh, we need a black Nancy Drew. We need to inspire uh, women of color uh, in the same way we you know, so many people have been inspired. Mm -hmm. um, and Black Nancy Drew, of course, would inspire us all in different ways. Uh, but, you know, so many of us will start a writing journey and then we'll meet people and have this, you know, we start reading and then we have those, hmm, what would happen if? Right. That's, that, that, that's the beginning of being a writer. I mm -hmm. mean, that's, you know, when you start imagining that. Right. Um, why mysteries? Why crime fiction? Was it because of Nancy Drew and Agatha Christie? Or is it, is it something about the genre that really drives you into it? Uh, I like mysteries because I like uh, seeing justice done. Like, I remember when I was uh, 10 years old, I used to read the paper and I used to read... Uh, Ann Landers, 
And, mm-hmm. you know, the stories about, con- you know, they're all, it's all about conflict of advice columns. Um, I mean, that's one of my greatest sources of ideas are advice columns. <laughs> and I also read stories about, uh, you know, crime stories and court cases. And I thought, you know, someone got a really bad deal or, you know, someone got a really good deal. And, you know, if justice wasn't done, I'd be really angry. <laughs> this is when I was 10 years old. So I love uh, seeing justice done, and so often it isn't, it isn't, we don't get it in the real world, so, um, you know, we can get it in fiction. Now, when I write short stories, it's a little different. Sometimes um, my, the justice is a little uh, ambiguous, or, mm-hmm. uh, or it's vigilante justice, you know, which, you know, that's fine, too, you know, for fiction. <laughs> Sometimes it's even better. And, you know, talk to me about and talk to all of us about the difference between writing a short story and writing a novel. Do you have some ideas that you just know are going to be a short story? It's not a novel. Or do you ever have a short story that you're like, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to use this in my novel instead. Or do you write in different genres with your short stories and your novels? No, so far I've just I write mysteries. Um, I short stories. Uh, short stories are very satisfying because they're not uh, they're not easier to write than a novel, but they're quicker. So you can get a you know much more satisfaction uh, out of writing them, and uh, and it's fun to uh, publish in anthologies with like we just did with Murder by the Glass uh, with a group of other authors, and so we have that kind of that teamwork that camaraderie. Mm-hmm. And uh, we promote together, and it's it, it's a lot of fun. I, I really enjoy that. Um, novel writing is it, it's kind of it's a long kind of lonely process, and I I really pre- I actually prefer writing short stories. You know, that's 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 <laughs> that's really, and that might be you know where I decide to to go. You know, as you know, for the remainder of my career. Well, and there's uh, interesting markets for short stories. I mean, mm-hmm. there are anthologies um, that are published. Steph Cha is the editor of the Best American Mystery Stories, and right. I probably got that wrong. Um, but a lot of Sisters in Crime chapters do anthologies. Mm-hmm. They're also general anthologies. So if you if folks like short stories, as well as, of course, Alfred Hitchcock and Ellery Queen um, mm-hmm. publish short stories as well. There are so many avenues for short stories and it's a very fertile landscape right now i feel like it's a it's a really um good time for being a short story writer maybe not making a living as a short story writer but in general as a short story writer no yeah no you're probably not going to make uh, much of a living but a lot of people aren't making much of a living with novels uh, these days either so unless you know the, the big names yeah the business side is something um that we don't talk about enough, and we won't talk about it now, but uh, but we can certainly, we do address that in so many webinars, and we need to have conversations about that. But let's talk about the writing, which is actually what motivates and drives us. You took a class um, in in L.A., but you also took a class in Virginia. Right. Have you taken other, are you in writing groups? Do you continue to take classes? How has your, your craft evolved over these these 25 um, years? 
I've taken uh, I've taken more uh, seminars, uh, webinars. Um, I've been in a writing groups. So I'm not in one now, um, but I have been before. I've been in um, a, an email uh, writing group, um, and uh, that's we're kind of on hiatus right now, but we'll probably you know regroup. Um, and one of the women she lives in Tennessee, and one lives in Minnesota, and. Uh, <laughs> So that's been fun. It's been it's been uh, an interesting process, and they um, I'd like to do it over Zoom, and I think they prefer email, but maybe um, you know we'll come to con- some kind of a compromise on that. And you just have like a certain number of pages that you share, and then you give feedback on email. Uh, yes, we uh, up to twenty five pages every uh, every two weeks. Wow, so that's um, a lot. I mean, being in a in a writing group is a huge commitment, I think. It can be, and especially if it's a writing group of any size. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it can, because you need to, you need to, uh, you know, give everyone the attention that they need and deserve. And when you're yeah. finding a writing group, you need to find the critique partners who work for you, who aren't going to try to rework your work to yes. Be exactly. what they want it to be. They they respect what you're trying to do and help you do it better. That's very important. That's absolutely important, and uh, it helps if you're all in the same genre, or at least there are at least enough of you writing in the same genre, because not everyone understands uh, mystery writing. It's absolutely true. Did you find in the classes you took? Uh, back in the day, was it mixed genre or were they mystery writing classes? It was, they, it was mixed. That could be challenging if yeah. you're a mystery or a genre writing or writer in general. I mm-hmm. mean, if, if um, mm-hmm. you know, if, but did you find that challenging trying to tell people, no, 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 I want to write mysteries? Uh, not too much at the time because I was so new that uh, just, you know, writing, the, the process of writing and writing in a certain style, that was what I needed uh, to develop. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a it's an evolution, isn't it? Yes, I mean, a, it being really a writer. Is. Yeah. Yes. And it, it's all changing. Uh, you know, the pu- publishing changes, the way we market and promote changes, um, and the way we write changes. You know, taste changes over the years. Absolutely. Absolutely. So have you gotten, what's the best piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? And what's the worst piece of writing advice you've ever gotten? Okay. Well, the uh, best one was, um, it was called, don't ever let anyone discourage you. Now this came from uh, a man named James Pendleton. Uh, he's an author I met several years ago at a, a bookstore signing. Um, I, it was, I just wandered into the store. I wasn't going to see him. He was just there with his wife, uh, an older gentleman. And so we started talking and um, I, of course, wound up buying his book. And it's good, too. <laughs> it's called Drink Water's Folly. And uh, but anyway, we started talking. When I told him I was writing a mystery, he said, don't ever let anyone discourage you. And this isn't, you know, it may not sound that profound on the face of it, but um, he, um, his delivery was so sincere and heartfelt that his words uh, have stayed with me all these years. And um, quite a few years went by until I finally published and I tried to uh, contact him to let him know and to thank him for his encouragement. 
And but it turned out that he had died just two years after after we had talked. Oh. So um, so that that was sad. Um, and you asked me about the worst um, the worst piece. Well, that's interesting because you know a lot of uh, bad advice is often uh, good advice too, depending on how it's used or how you interpret it. Um, a case in point is that the show don't tell advice. Mm-hmm. And also never use adverbs. Okay, <laughs> well, these kind of rules, they're usually proclaimed, you know, with all the authority of the Ten Commandments. <laughs> but they're really just guidelines. And they came about because um, people were writing badly. They were using adverbs to tell. They were just using adverbs willy-nilly. Uh, and, um, you know, they it was... You know, it's easier to tell and not show, um, but sometimes um, it's appropriate, especially if you're in an action scene or, you know, in, in genre fiction. Um, sometimes an advert could be just the perfect word. thing yeah. is you have to um, use, break. you can break the rules, you have to know the rules first, and then you can break them, but occasionally and thoughtfully. That's great advice, the occasionally and thoughtfully, so that it doesn't become the the rote of what you do. You don't always, you know, for the sake of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding those rules and why they came into play uh, is also such great advice. Yeah, yeah. So, um, and, and then um, I another um, piece of questionable advice, I'll say, I remember a woman from a long-ago writing group and she firmly believed that a writer had to specify in detail how a character got from one point to another. Um, <laughs> how they got to the grocery store. <laughs> um, and the bad part of this advice is that phrase must specify in detail. And I, I see writers doing this. Like they have a character. She takes the 64 East to the 288 South, exits at Patterson Avenue, and goes east for two miles. You know, you get the idea. Anyone who lives in Richmond knows, uh, will know <laughs> the route that I'm talking about. Um, and if I thought I had to provide that kind of detail, I just have the character staying home, you know, <laughs> for the duration of the story. Um, I know, I know sometimes, you know, uh, like I lived in Los Angeles for all those years and I can hear, I, I like, you know, knowing just where a, um, a character is. You know, mm-hmm. I kind of enjoy it because I know, I know that corner. Um, but, you know, you have to just keep them at, at a minimum. Um, you know, another example is, you know, your character uh, goes to London. So you don't have to talk about how she gets to the airport and, you know, right. the layovers and all of that. Unless it's something, uh, there's something to do with the story. I mean, maybe someone will try to kill her in the uh, air, in the uh, ladies' room at JFK. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> so, but you could just have her, you know, packing for her trip, and then she's in London, and the reader will, you know, kind of guess. Well, I guess the trip went okay. You know, she arrived yeah. in London. Well, uh, I once heard the advice given as skip the boring parts. Like, yeah. 
know, for the readers, if you know. Um, but that's great advice. And it's also, you've got to interdisperse it because, as you said, sometimes those details have a clue, especially in mysteries. Like mm-hmm. you meet somebody or you pick up an envelope or something happens. Yeah. But in general, um, you know, be careful about how you weave in that level of detail because people will skip it. Yeah, all right. <laughs> Don't yeah. write the parts people skip. Right. So what's your writing process like? I mean, is it different for your novels as opposed to your short stories? Um, not not terribly so. It's just that the short story process, um, you know, is shorter. <laughs> um, okay, well, I write longhand. Um, oh. Yes, I, that's how I start out longhand because my ideas flow more easily, you know, yeah. when I'm sitting and I have a pen and all. I, I really don't enjoy sitting at a computer for hours and hours, you know. So, but when I'm ready to transcribe, then, then I, I'll do that. I'll sit at the computer. Um, I'm not strictly a plotter or a pantser. Um, I think the word for that is a plotzer. Um, I outline but it's you know it's a very flexible outline and it allows Mm -hmm. my pantser side to you know have a big part in the process Um, I kind of start out as a plotter but um, I tend to take too long you know I'm just taking too long with the outline and I'm starting to get antsy so um, then I switch switch to pantser mode um, just to get you know some momentum going Um, and I, you know, I think about the story a lot. It's like in my head, and mm-hmm. which isn't a good thing when I'm trying to get to sleep at <laughs> night. <laughs> so, um, you know, and I used to think, you know, I had to be an English major um, to to be a writer. Um, that might be why I, I stopped writing for a while. Mm-hmm. You know, when I was in high school, and then for a few decades, um, but. I, I had this fantasy about, you know, holing up in a garret like in Paris um, and, you know, just writing like all day and all night on a manual typewriter, which I'm so glad I don't have to type on a manual typewriter. I can't even imagine. <laughs> and so, but, you know, I've, my background is in business and IT and I'm, I work uh, right now. I'm in a converted bedroom in a split level house in Richmond, Virginia. So, so much for Paris. <laughs> so, so I'm intrigued. You write longhand. Yeah. Do you write your whole novel longhand or do you write, start it and then start typing? Do you go back and forth? Yeah, or? I go back and forth. Yeah. Because that's a lot of writing. <laughs> I mean, obviously it that's is. what they did. That's what Jane Austen did. But it's still, yeah. that's a, that's a lot. I, I, yeah. I know I've heard from other people that that can help with process is the, the tactile writing. Um, but that's interesting. Well, I think it's probably the same way that the, the pantsers do it. Like if they sit down at a computer and, uh, and I really admire pantsers uh, cause I just don't know how they do it. Uh, and, you know, especially if they're just doing it at, at the computer, but then they, they, uh, they all say that they rewrite a lot. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so they're spending a lot of time too. They are. They yeah. are. But it's the on pieces of paper trying to read your own handwriting to put it into the computer. <laughs> I, I don't know that I could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that can be uh, that can be kind of tricky, the, the writing, <laughs> the handwriting. So but um, I, I find that I I'm, I just feel more uh, creative. It, it just comes to me better. 
when I'm when I'm actually writing. I think one of the great things about these conversations I have with people is that I learn that there's no one way to do any right. of this and you find the way that works for you. And mm -hmm. if it stops working for you, figure out another way. I yeah, mean, it's, exactly. it's not going to be forever. Exactly. Do you ever have, feel like you have writer's block? Does that ever get in your way or do you believe in writer's block? Oh, I believe in it. I, but I think it just shows itself differently in different people. Um, with me, um, I, it's not so much that I, 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 I can't come up with ideas. I probably have too many ideas. I have a lot of, um, you know, short stories that I've started that I, I hope to get to all of them someday because they all represent an idea that I've had. Um, but I sometimes I feel like my writing, it, it isn't flowing right. It's uh, wooden, mm -hmm. you know, stilted and, you know, it's just you know, boring, you know, to be honest. So, um, you know, and then, then there's, you know, sticky plot points. So I'll just do something else. I'll go for a walk or uh, cook or pull weeds, you know, do something like that. There's plenty of weeds out there to pull. So, <laughs> so um, and so that helps me a lot. So, but, but I don't think uh, I've ever been like just had a, you know, a blank page in front of me and I couldn't think of anything to put on it. So, but I guess people define a writer block, you know, differently because Absolutely. it affects everyone differently. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, and your short story ideas that, you know, have been abandoned, you never know when that's going to kick into another idea or morph into something. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So you started them. So let's talk about your publishing journey, because the writing journey is something you can control. You can mm -hmm. you can do you need to do. It's continuing. Um, and you measure your own success by what you're putting out there and, you know, feedback and things like that. But it's not, it's not a business per se. It's an, that's the craft. That's mm -hmm. the art part of this. Mm -hmm. um, but the publishing journey is a different journey. And, and you mentioned it took you a few years to get published. Um, so can you, what is, what's your publishing journey been like? And is it what you expected it to be? No, well, it's not expected. The answer to your second question is no, <laughs> it's not. Um, it's been a little turbulent. Um, I had a you know, fairly easy time actually getting um, my first novel, Murder at the Book Group. I have that published. But then the publisher didn't pick up uh, my next book. Um, they said that they loved my series. They emphasized the word love. They loved it, but my sales weren't good enough and they were getting more selective with cozies. So um, then I went with a small press and mm -hmm. when my contract was up, um, I got my rights back and I, um, I, I've self-published it. And I'm going, about, I'm going to be self-publishing my third novel in the series in a few months. And so I'm learning a lot about self-publishing. Um, and, and finding out how publishing is just a moving target. You know, it's, it's just constantly changing. Um, short stories, they're easier to publish, especially um, in anthologies. But if you go to magazines, right now I'm submitting a story to, um, to Ellery Queen. And so um, that's the first time I've done that. So we'll see that's how that exciting. works out. That's exciting. Yeah. Well, I, I love your honesty about your journey because this isn't, um, 
an unknown an unknown part of somebody's journey where mm-hmm. a publisher loves the series, backs it, and then uh, they they orphan it or they cancel it or mm-hmm. they decide something because it's a business decision. I mean, right. and the business is an odd business in some ways. Yes. Um, but, you know, then you moved and you pivoted so that you're, you're becoming your own publisher mm-hmm. in order to get the series to continue to live. Mm-hmm how this is actually a good time to make that pivot for people and mm-hmm. to, you know, for people who've been published before and had mm-hmm. a series canceled to publish their backlist. How have you been teaching yourself or learning how to, how to make that pivot? Um, so, um, uh, reading, there are a lot of experts in the field, like um, Joanna Penn, uh, yeah. Jane Friedman, uh, David Gogran, if I'm pronouncing his name correctly. Um, so I, and uh, the entre, the Kindlepreneur guy, um, David Chesson, I think that's his yeah. name. So um, I've, they give, have a lot of webinars and they have books and they have podcasts. So I uh, listen to them and, you know, try to, you know, piece together, you know, try to develop some best practices uh, for that. So yeah. I'm going to be learning a lot about Amazon ads, so, <laughs> which well, uh, it's also it sounds like it's very challenging. But and it may, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. You know, maybe once once you know, maybe it's just the not knowing that makes it seem so challenging. Well, this is also where your business background can come into play because mm-hmm. you can understand how to how to do things like that those mm-hmm. are all great resources that you recommended mm-hmm. but uh it's moving forward and saying i'm going to do this uh mm-hmm. is is a step of a leap of faith into itself yeah yes yeah. it is it is and exciting yeah. i mean how do you how are you feeling about it um i feel i i feel excited but i, I also a little uh, nervous um, and because you, you just don't know, I mean, well, even if traditionally publishing, you just, right. you just don't know, but still, but more things are taken care of for you. Um, but, um, it's, it, it's an exciting time. Um, I'm really, I'm really looking forward to it and, you know, see, just a, seeing it's a big, a big challenge for me. It's a very exciting time to be a mystery writer. I yeah. think that it's mm-hmm. it's almost a golden age because of the mm-hmm. opportunities and yeah. how many imprints there are and what's going on. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the things that's challenging when you're publishing, uh, you know, whatever journey you're on, is that you also have to market yourself. Yeah. Yes. How's that been for you? Um, it's um, I, I I still have a lot to learn about that which is what I'm doing right now. Um, but um, I find it's um, um, the email. There are these email um, lists that people have. It's like uh, it, I haven't been on BookBub, but there are other companies that do this something similar. There's Fussy Librarian. Um, there's Robin Reads. There's um, ENT, which I think it's e-reader news today. Um, and so I've I've had good success with those with, oh. with with doing that. I mean, you could spend about like fifty dollars or so, but you know, make it up pretty pretty quickly. That's great. That's great. Those are all you know, great. Mm-hmm. Another great font of information mm-hmm. for people. Um, 
there are lots and lots of ways to figure this out as mm-hmm. you're doing, you know, moving forward and and wanting to stay published and wanting to figure out what's going on. Mm-hmm. And another thing that's in, uh, good to do is to develop uh, relationships on uh, social media. Um, yeah, let's and, talk about that. Mm-hmm. What, networking and how important community is. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, when I um, when I first started publishing back in 2014, we were all told to be everywhere all the time. You know, be like on every platform, be on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, uh, Tumblr, um, write blogs, <laughs> and I have newsletters. Um, newsletters are good. Newsletters, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's a thing to do um, and now they're saying just concentrate on one or two of, of the platforms and you know try to do them well and uh, Facebook is probably the best uh, place to for developing relationships with people not not just you know buy my book buy my book um, but just to have relationships be interested in people it is about relationships uh, in a very surprising way because I think sometimes we think that the writing journey is so solo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it is the writing, but the rest of it is about the, is finding your community and your people. Mm-hmm. So you're one of the founders of the Central Virginia Sisters in Crime chapter. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a big thing to do, <laughs> yeah, yes. um, to found a chapter and, and help sustain it. Sisters in Crime, as of this recording, has 61 chapters worldwide. Mm-hmm. Uh, our chapters are, you can join as many chapters as Sisters in Crime as you want. You aren't automatically assigned to one. Uh, during non-COVID times, there were meetings, but COVID has helped us also embrace Zoom mm-hmm. meetings, which I think has been good. And moving forward, I'm sure there's going to be a combo of both because there's some benefit to not having to leave your house and yeah. still be able to participate. Yeah. But what what drove you to, to found this chapter? Um, well... I'm trying to think it was some, there was a woman, her name is uh, Leah Taylor. Um, she uh, owned a bookstore called Creatures and Crooks in Richmond. And uh, she, and then there was a woman, she was a librarian, her name is Nancy Newens. And the two of them uh, got together and decided to uh, form the chapter. Now I had joined wow. uh, at the national level in uh, 2007, like three years before. So as soon as I heard that, you know, they were uh, doing this, you know, I was there at the first meeting, <laughs> and, um, it, and you know, haven't looked back <laughs> since. I've been a secretary. Um, a couple of times and uh, of course in the last few years I've been doing Instagram you know it's that's a wonderful way to talk about founders too because Sisters in Crime the history of Sisters in Crime booksellers and librarians Mm -hmm. have played such an Mm -hmm. important role Mm -hmm. in in encouraging people to join and creating space for meetings Mm -hmm. uh, um, and doing all different kinds of ways to support the writers in their Mm -hmm. community um, so that's pretty cool. We've always had great programs, um, and um, like this is Richmond's the capital of Virginia, so we have um, we have like a, a huge uh, library, state library, and we have um, a lot of um, forensics uh, resources 
that we've gone to visit. Um, so um, it's, it's great. Uh, when I first joined Sisters in Crime, do you remember Rochelle Critch? I do. Yes. I do. Well, she was president then. And I just, uh, I just loved her. She was, I just adored her. I just read all her books and I was so sorry that she stopped writing. Um, but she, uh, I think I even said to her, I didn't even realize she was the president, but I think I was in touch with her. And I, I said, you know, what do you think? Do you think I should join? It'd be helpful to me to join Sisters in Crime. And she said, well, since I'm the president, I guess, <laughs> I, guess I would tell you yes. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. um, so yeah, it's been, um, it, it's a wonderful organization and the educational opportunities you know, they're yeah. just absolutely wonderful. Uh, you know, there's a lot of, you know, it's a great writing community. You know, it's very supportive and inspirational. It is, it is a wonderful community. And mm -hmm. uh, we're grateful for folks like you to be in it and to be helping Sister and Crime, uh, the national board, out with some social media, which has been tremendously helpful. So mm -hmm. Volunteers are such an important part of this organization oh, yeah. on all different mm -hmm. levels. Um, so right now, you're, what, are you, what are you working on? You're, you're submitting a short story. You're working on getting the third book in your series right. published. Right. Um, yeah, that's going through um, a last edit. Um, I have a cover for it. Actually, I have a, a cover for the ebook, um, and it's that's great. It's, it's really different from my other covers, which guess means I guess that means I'm going to have to <laughs> redesign the other covers, which is fine because I really like this one. Um, I'm also while I'm working on short stories, um, I have a, a novel. Uh, I have that started. I I have all these things, you know, sort of uh, started. <laughs> Yeah, I, I don't seem to just work on one thing and, you know, pursue it to the end unless I'm on some kind of a deadline. So I have a lot of things which I don't know. I think kind of think it's fun. So I could go back and, you know, and like pick. I think I'll work on this one today or uh, that one. I think it's kind of fun anyway. It would probably drive some more organized person insane. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's great. I mean, it's because you never know where you're um where your imagination is going to be at a given time. So are you reading anything fun or listening to anything yeah, these days? This is, this is, this is the latest. Um, it's called uh, A Darker Shade of Sweden. And I found it in a used bookstore a few weeks ago. It's uh, short stories by a Sweden's, says Sweden's greatest crime writers. It's like, wow. the, you know, the author of, um, the, uh, the girl, you know, the girl with the dragon tattoo series, yeah. you know, he, he's in here, he has a story. So it's pretty good. I've been, been reading them. And, uh, in the recent months I've been on a Scotland kick. So I've been reading the, some Hamish Macbeth, uh, stories yeah. by MC Beaton. Uh, and, oh, I, I miss her. I, I really, yeah. I really miss her. I read, I've read all the Agatha ones, but I hadn't read any Hamish ones. So I've been reading them. And also I read uh, one of Anne Cleve's uh, books, the, the Shetland mm -hmm. series. So um, I'm, uh, I'm really, uh, I really know the, the highlands uh, of Scotland, <laughs> <laughs> now, at least vicariously. I'd love to That's go someday. It's a great way to be an armchair tourist, even if, um, you know, you're reading about killing people or, or dead yeah. bodies in, right. in the highlands. 
Oh, Maggie, thank you for a great conversation well, thank and for being you. on the podcast. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for being with us today. Sisters in Crime is about community. We were founded to advocate for women crime writers, and we continue that mission by fighting for equity in the crime writing community. Sisters in Crime is an international, inclusive organization for all who write and love crime fiction, mystery, thrillers, and suspense. Join us at sistersincrime.org and make sure you subscribe to this podcast. <laughs>